Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 161 of the podcast, where I sit down with fellow podcaster, mother, and wife to deployed soldier Summer Shepherd. Summer and I met over uh, the winter at a podcasting conference, and her story is incredible. She's got a great podcast known as, no seriously, how do I do that? That's the name. It's amazing. Love the name. And today we talk about motherhood. We talk about living the faith. We talk about all the things. I think you're going to love her voice, her posture, uh, her humility. I think it's just really good for such a time as this. So, hey, do me a favor. If you like this episode, please go subscribe to hers. Let her know that you heard her here on the Reclamation Podcast. Also, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify, it goes a long way to help spread the word about what God is doing in and through this platform. And as always, the highest compliment you can give us, share this episode with a friend. So thankful for each and every one of you. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Summer Shepherd. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with a a friend that I've met in person, not just an internet friend, but uh, a fellow podcaster, Christian podcaster, Summer Shepherd. Summer, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh my goodness gracious. Thanks for having me. And we met in Nashville at the Spark Media, um, where you are an award-winning podcaster, if I recall. As are you, my goodness. (laughs) I know, (laughs) right? There's too much talent to go around here. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm kind of curious. um, You're a mom, you're a podcaster, you're a DJ, you um, do a whole bunch of stuff on the radio. Kind. how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Mm. It was a couple of years ago, I think, that I finally found the words to put to it. And it's pretty simple. I would say that my mission is to let people know that they are loved and not alone, whatever that looks like. And so as a jock on the radio, talking in between songs, the stories that I tell, the encouragement that I offer, it's all filtered through that to let people know that they are loved and not alone. The podcast it's to let people know that they're loved and not alone. Conferences, I lead even the way that I speak to my kids and people I meet at the grocery store. Everything I do, I want to be done through that framework to let people know that they're loved mm-hmm. and not alone. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as you say that, I'm like, oh, that makes that makes great sense. Right? It feels super easy, right? And, you know, like God wants that for us, obviously. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on why so many of us, myself included at times, struggle with the idea that I'm loved and with people on this mission. You know what I mean? Like, where is the disconnect where we start to begin that, oh, well, maybe God's promises don't apply to me? Mm. I think that a lot of what the enemy does is he strives to get us on our own. And whether it is, you know, physically, like we're isolated from others, or more often, I think it's the illusion of isolation. It's those insecurities that are whispered to us that no one else would understand what we're going through, that the way that we perceive we are failing right now is unique to us, that if anyone else knew the ways that we were unqualified for the job we have, for the kids we have, for the marriage that we have, well, they would take it all away. And I think that we end up going so inward in our insecurities that we struggle in silence and we believe this lie that 
we are not loved, that we are not cared for, that we are not seen. And the reality is God has put people in our life to come alongside us. But even if every single one of them left, he is there and he sees and he knows and he loves unconditionally, intrinsically. And I think the greatest thing the enemy can do is just whisper, no, he doesn't. But look at you. You're so broken. You're such a mess. No one knows the real you because if they did, they'd run away. And we might intellectually know that that's a lie. And yet over and over, those same lies are spoken and we just keep believing them and we have to keep bringing them back to the cross. That's so good. And I think it's so true, right? That we're the weakest when we're by ourselves. And in the recovery community, we always say that we're prone to make a bad decision when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, when we're in a halt kind of mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. you know, and it, that, so that resonates deeply. Uh, you know, I love how quickly and how clearly you articulated your call. And I think there's probably somebody listening right now who's like, man, I, I if you were to ask me that question, I have no idea. So can you kind of take us on the journey of how did you, how did you get to a place where loved and not alone became the, the shield that you were going to champion um, in the communities where you find yourself? I think it started with me looking in the mirror and being like, what do you need to hear? <laughs> what is that thing that I so desperately need spoken over my life? And it's that I'm loved. Because sometimes when I consider myself in those hard and dark moments, I don't see someone worth loving. And on the outside, people might be like, oh, look, you're just a great mom. Look at all this cool stuff you do for the Lord. But on the inside, I see things they don't see. I, th- I see things I would never let them see. And so I need to feel seen and known and loved and be reminded that I'm not alone. Because there are times where we sit with dejection or rejection and we are just like, Lord, I'm, I'm all by myself. Why have I been abandoned? And that is another lie that, that we believe. And I think for me, it just, it came from, what do I need to hear? And then I would look at my life and the opportunities that he had laid before me. And I started to sift through those and look for commonality, common denominators. Like, this is what I've been given to do on air Mm -hmm. as I encourage people. And I I envision my listeners in their car at the drop-off line at school or preparing dinner or just sitting alone in their room or at work with earbuds in. It's like that person, they need to be reminded right now that they're loved. Because even the best of us some days forget and that they're not alone. And I just, over and over, groups I've spoken with, people I've mentored, that's just the cry of the heart, all of us. It's just an intrinsic need. We need air. We need water. We need shelter. We need to know that we are loved and not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that resonates. Um, And it's so funny how quickly I am to talk myself out of that idea. Like, I, I could, well, you know, that's probably true for someone else. That may not be true for me. W- what are some of the daily disciplines that you do? I, I love to kind of get in the weeds on this stuff to stay connected to your mission and to stay connected to your faith. And um, and let's throw the kids in there too, because you've got four kids, mm-hmm. right? A million, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a million. Four <laughs> equals a million. Uh, I, you know, I kind of th- anytime you go past man to man and you go to Zoom, it just gets crazy. Uh, so, um, yeah, what what do you do to stay connected on a daily basis? What are some of your daily disciplines? The things that you know, in order to be the best version of summer, you have to do these things. Okay, well, I can give you the right answer and I can give you the true answer. Uh, yeah, let's do both. I love both. Yeah. Okay. So the right answer is I know that I am at my best 
when, first of all, I get sleep. Oh my goodness. My marriage, my parenting, my spiritual life, my professional life, it all falls apart if I'm not sleeping. Okay. Embrace How the many naps. hours of sleep do you need? Do you know? I need, I need like eight to nine. Like if I, if I look at my watch and it says I only got seven and a half, I'm like, okay, guys, yeah, mama needs a nap. <laughs> <You know what>? <laughs> <laughs> so that's me to function optimally. You know, and there's, there's those other things, you know, you drink enough water, you exercise, you, but spending time in the word, it's one of those things that we know that we need and we love it when we do it. And yet some days often it is so hard to do. It's like the very things that are the best for us that feel the best when we do them are the hardest things to do. And so when I can make spending time with the Lord more than just something to check off a list, when I can close the door, close the curtain to my studio, you know, spend time in silence. That's a big thing for me is spend time listening. I spend a lot of time talking. I I try to spend more time listening. Then my soul feels fed. I receive from the Lord what he might have for me to share that day. I'm more receptive to then listening to my spouse and my children. That's the right answer. That's when my life works well. The way my life works more often, however, I'll be honest, is I often feel like I'm playing catch up. I feel like mm. I sleep in when I shouldn't. I eat what I shouldn't. I'm racing all the time. I'm winging it with work. I am, you know, there to meet my kids' basic needs. But so often, I'm not the person that I want to be. And I think that very often what comes out of my mouth, what I am speaking into others' lives are the very things that I need to hear. In January of last year, I guess it was, I'd put out a podcast, Tony, about mom guilt, about those things that we feel shame for that we shouldn't feel shame for. And then for the next three months, I was under such a cloud of shame. And I had to go back and re-listen to the things that came out of my own mouth (laughs) because, I mean, do as I say, not as I do. I feel like, unfortunately, that's way more true than I want it to be. I think most podcasters, and I fall into this category, I podcast so that I'm less of a disaster than I was before. You know what I mean? Like the conversations and uh, let's talk a little about your podcast. No, seriously, mm-hmm. how do I do this? Is the name of the podcast, which I love. Um, h- how did you get to this like place of like, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to look like this. And, um, and, and how'd you come up with the name? Oh, gosh. So I had another podcast that I had started back in 2018 that I'd been, uh, in fact, we just wrapped up on it. And that was uh, a virtual book club, right? Had a lot of fun, had a lot of good, deep, meaningful conversations. But the conversation was broached by my leadership team to maybe start another one. And I didn't know what it was going to be about. I thought I had an idea, but someone I'm very close to actually is already doing that and way better than I could have pulled it off, right? So I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's that's not the direction. And I was sitting with someone I trust in a position of leadership in my organization. And he had just kind of thrown out there. He's like, yeah, so if you want to, you know, hear really cool God stories, you listen to Meredith's podcast. You want to hear about parenting, you listen to Summers. And I didn't have the heart to tell him, well, that's not what my podcast is about, man. Because, you know, this is my boss. So it's like, whatever you say. Right. But then I started right. sitting with that. And I'm like, Lord, this is what you've given me. Other than being on the radio, when I'm not actively on the radio, I'm with my kids. Like, those are the two things that I know how to do. And that is something that I could speak to. But then I'm like, okay, well, what am I qualified to speak to when it comes to parenting? 
And all I could think of was how unqualified I really am and Mm. how I know that I'm not alone in that. And I had spoken to enough women's groups and address that topic of, you know, mom guilt and shame and, and where we feel like we're hiding. And I'm like, I think that's the conversation that I need to have. I can't go on there and pretend to be an expert offering people sage wisdom. I just need to be willing to go first in saying that I don't know how to do this as well as I pretend to. And so I pitched it to my team. It's like, you know, I want the vibe to kind of be like, you know, less, this is how you do this and more, no, seriously, how do you do this? And then the name just kind of stuck. And (laughs) so I I get to sit down and I get to talk to artists and experts and authors and then local moms of just the things that we all deal with, but don't talk about enough, especially in the church. And it gives us an opportunity to go there. So I I am hoping that you might be able to to kind of educate um, those of us who aren't moms about mom guilt, because I I don't think that dads have the same um, stress. You know, honestly, if my kids are fed and watered, I'm pretty happy. I feel like, hey, good job, Tony. You just (laughs) nailed it. Right. Like and and even last night, my wife was going out to a Bible study. And this is so great. She she was like, hey, I put the spaghetti out on the table. You know, all you have to do is make the noodles and the pasta. And I was like, do you really care what I do for dinner? And she's like, just make sure they're fed. And I was like, here comes Chinese food coming in hot, right? Like, <laughs> it was great. It was great. And, um, uh, but like, I, I feel like mom guilt is, it's so real for so many women I know and for even my own wife. And she's an awesome mom. Like, she's the best. I, I married up. And she's wonderful. And so I, so two questions, kind of where, where do you think this comes from? And um, if you could speak to the dudes out there, like, uh, what do we, how do we walk alongside the women in our life who are wrestling with it? Mm. Where I think it comes from is the fact that when God designed family, he made it to be the clearest picture we have of his relationship to us. And so you have all of these metaphors drawn between um, Christ and the church as a husband to his wife, the way we serve, the way we love. And then you have, you know, the example of us as children of God. So you have this nuclear family, and this is the strongest picture of the kingdom that we have. And therefore, I think there is nothing that threatens Satan more that he targets more than the family unit for that reason. And as far as mom guilt is concerned, there's a lot of areas that I could point to as being like, well, this is probably why we struggle. I think it's uh, a difficult season for women and mothers. In many ways, it's liberating and exciting, and I'm for it. I love that women are being empowered uh, more than ever to pursue their passions and what the Lord has called them to do. But I feel like we are in a place, I'm in a place where it's like, all right, I'm a creative, I'm driven, I have goals and dreams and a career, but I'm also the mom. Aren't I supposed to also be doing all of the cooking, all of the cleaning, all of the child rearing? And whether or not that's how my husband feels, I still carry that. Mm. So I think there's a lot of expectations being put on women to be all the things right now. Um, But then when I sit down And I ask women, what are some of the things that you carry guilt for and shame for? I was preparing for a a mom's ministry that I was going to be talking for. And I actually put out a poll to my different circles and asked them to be honest and share with me some of those things. 
And the list that I got, Tony, broke my heart because I had women saying, I feel guilty that I work. Other women saying, I feel guilty that I don't work. I feel uh, guilty that I breastfed too long and people gave me face. I feel guilty that I couldn't breastfeed or that I didn't want to. I feel guilty that my husband had an affair. I feel guilty that I had a miscarriage. I feel so much shame Mm. for the fact that my husband abandoned our family. I feel, you know, guilty that my kid is hyperactive. I feel guilty that my kid is antisocial. We put so much on ourselves and so many of the things that women are feeling guilty for are exact opposites. Like there, there's no winning everything, whether you do it too well or, or not well enough, you feel shame for that. And I just feel like being a parent is such a sacred responsibility. And there's something in women, you know, just biologically that is more of that nurture that we just carry the weight of the world on our shoulders when it comes to our kids. Do you think that there's any way to parent that out of the next generation do we or is it just you know a a buddy of mine always says it's the epistemic consequence of sin right is this just the the brokenness of the world playing out that we feel the need to to compare ourselves to one another and then the second question what as a husband right what can i what what can i do to help like i feel so helpless (laughs) in mom guilt i feel like uh, first of all i want to acknowledge and love on you for asking that question, but it's also such a man question. You know, they say like men have a hard time listening without wanting to fix it. And I wish I could tell you how. I wish I could tell you what it would require. Um, Now, I think that as far as parenting it out of the next generation, I... I don't know how to make it go away, and I wish that I did. I think that there are a lot of tangible things, like staying away from social media would probably help, or we're comparing our behind-the-scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. But I think, for me, it comes down to being honest with our kids. And I think Mm. the greatest example that we can give to our kids is not how to live perfectly, but how to fail well. And so if I'm struggling with something, I, I want my kids, within reason, to be able to see that and to see how I'm dealing sure. with it. And if I if I mess up, not be afraid to ask forgiveness and creating that safe space to have those conversations. And the same thing with our spouses. I think that when it comes to this problem being propagated and growing and extending, it's because we're so afraid to be seen in the midst of our guilt. We are so afraid mm to have others see what we feel like we're doing a pretty good job hiding. And that illusion of isolation just makes everything worse. And so acknowledging your wives, when you see them working hard, when you see them struggling, when you see them succeeding, when you see them failing, let them know that they are seen and they're appreciated. Don't assume that they know how you feel, right? Like, well, what? what? she knows I love her. She knows I think she's a great mom. But even in the midst of it, we need to be reminded that we are loved and not alone because especially as moms, oh my goodness gracious, we can feel surrounded by children and utterly alone at the same time. And so just acknowledging and and seeing and appreciating your women is going to really help. Hey everybody, just pausing this conversation with Summer to remind you that the Reclamation Podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. We love being part of the connection at Spirit and Truth. And we are a ministry of Spirit and Truth. 
So if you're looking for a place to uh, help spread what God is doing in and through this platform, go to spiritandtruth.life slash give and consider becoming a monthly partner. Every monthly partner goes a long way in helping feed the mission of what God is doing here and now. Let's continue our conversation with Summer. We uh, were doing some marriage stuff when uh, for de- for deployments, and I was in the reserves for a long time. And you've got a connection to the reserves, and and so we were doing these things called strong bonds retreats back in 07, 08, where we would go around. And one of the things that my mentor said at that retreat that still is with me all the time is that sometimes the best gift we can give our spouse is to just sit in the mud puddle with them, mm-hmm. right? And just decide that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crawl in that mud puddle with you. And as a matter of fact, now when I counsel couples, one of the things I tell them all the time is to create a code term for, hey, I just want you to listen and not do anything. That seems like very similar to what you're talking about. Just, hey, I'm, I'm just going to sit in the mud puddle and um, and kind of go from there and and see if that helps. Is that is that kind of articulate what you're what you're saying? Absolutely, absolutely. Just love on them and let them know that you notice. And I think one thing that's really helped in my marriage, but it took a long time for us to get to this place. Um, How my, long have you guys been married? Um, so we have been married nine years okay. and uh, 11 years together. Um, and this is still something I, I'm going to be honest, I still struggle with from time to time is I'm a very creative, driven, ambitious person. I married a very quiet, reserved uh, man. And he is naturally, just the way he was raised by his old school Romanian mama, he is just naturally more willing and excited about cooking and, you know, doing the dishes. I can't stand that stuff. And it's really hard for me because I'm like, I'm sure. the wife, I'm the mother. I'm supposed to be the one who's doing all of the things. I'm supposed to be the one cooking and cleaning and being domestic and managing a career and raising my kids and doing all of that. It was hard for us for a long time to feel like we were getting the gender roles wrong. Like there is mm. a very specific role that we are called to fill. And if we step outside that, we're stepping outside God's will. And we had to reevaluate that and look at our marriage as a partnership and honestly consider the way that God had made us and the strengths that he had given us and how we can work together to help our family to thrive. And it's not something that uh, I have fully just embraced perfectly. I still struggle sometimes feeling like a bad wife and a mother because I don't like doing the dishes more. Um, but my husband has been willing to step in and acknowledge, look, here's Summer's giftings. Here's where, well, she can do it, but she'd rather not. Here are my giftings. Here, where I could do it, but I'd rather not. And he met me there and he wasn't afraid to step outside of what society might tell him a real man looks like and support his family. And so men that are listening, look, it's it doesn't make you less of a man to change a diaper or to load or unload the dishwasher or, you know, to take the kids to ballet lessons. And I think we're getting to a point where our society is embracing that more. But stepping in and carrying some of that weight for her, that might that might really help her to see that she's, in fact, in a partnership. I love that. And I, and I really appreciate the language of the partnership. I think that that's really important and feels like a, um, a kind of a cornerstone to any good marriage. 
Do you guys, either as a family or as a couple, have any like uh, things that you love to do to help you guys stay connected spiritually or any rhythms? You know, I mean, there, there are different seasons in my life where we'd be like, oh, we're, we definitely date night once a month or we, you know, we, Karen and I love to pray together um, before we go to sleep. Do you guys do anything like that? Any, any rhythms out there that are like, oh man, we, we'd be lost if we didn't do those things. Mm. I think making that time for connection between us, I think is so imperative. And sometimes a date night could look like, you know, the babysitter coming over and us going to a nice dinner and a movie, but it doesn't have to, especially early on in our marriage. (laughs) We first had our, our daughter, we would sometimes just put her to bed. We would pull out a board game. We'd order some sushi. We'd put on a playlist and have a glass of wine. And we would just play games and talk. And it was like the cheapest, most fun date we've ever had. And we still do that. You know, we will, you know, we might veg in front of, you know, Netflix for (laughs) two hours, or we might just play a board game. And that's been a huge thing for our marriage is just finding the board games that are fun with only two people. And they're a little bit more limited. Uh, And then that way we have time for competition and fun and laughter and conversation. And we're able to just be together. Because I think that when you have a bunch of little kids, Tony, that's something that gets sacrificed is that one-on-one time. You do it for, you know, with all the best intentions. But if that relationship doesn't stay tight, if you don't maintain that friendship and that romance, then your children will suffer. And the prayer is a big thing for us too, praying with and for each other. Um, but I, honestly, I think it's those board game date nights. <laughs> I love that. Simple, easy, and uh, like you said, <laughs> super cheap, right? <laughs> um, while we're on the topic of your marriage, there the big some big life change coming up for you guys. Um, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what's going on and and kind of how you're feeling about it and and maybe what you're doing with those feelings. Cause I imagine there's some people who are facing major life change and it may not look exactly like yours, but, um, but man, big things on the horizon can feel like boulders and super scary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we are now less than a week away. We are a handful of days away uh, from Adrian deploying as you mentioned, we are a military family. He's a reservist. It's one of those things that we signed on knowing it was possible, but never fully expected it would happen to us. Sure. Uh, yeah, he is going to be deploying and they are telling us it's going to be a little over 13 months. And um, there's a lot of feelings with that. And if I got to be honest, Tony, it wasn't exactly the way I expected it to go as far as my feelings are concerned. There was things I was anticipating, man, I'm really going to miss him and man, life's going to be inconvenient. But if I can be real, I think what freaked me out was when I sat there and I discovered a fear that it was going to be okay. Like people are like, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you've got four kids, but you know, you've got support and you're going to be okay. And I'm like, no, but you don't understand that's, I'm worried that I'm going to be okay. And that's what, again, it comes, there's no win, right? Like you feel bad that you're going to miss them and that you're going to struggle. And then you feel bad that you're not. And and I do, I, I am going to miss my husband, but I know we'll be okay. And I don't want to get to a point where he thinks, or we think, even in the back of our mind, that he's not needed to function as a family. 
that we can do this without him. There's a part of me like, I don't want to be able to do it without him, but I will. I have to. Yeah. And I think there's something scary about that. Um, So that is something we're sitting with. We don't know what it's going to look like. We know that we are determined that no matter what, it is going to work out. He made us all teddy bears. (laughs) Before he left this little voice and I'm telling us how much he, he loves us. And I was thinking of a name for mine. And uh, I named my bear Charlie Mike because in military language, Charlie Mike means complete mission. It means no matter the hardship, you need to see this mission through to the end. And I'm like, that's what I want my marriage to be. I want it to be even in the face of hardships that we see it through. And so we are going into this with all the question marks, but all the determination that whatever it looks like without him, whatever it looks like when he comes back, we're going to complete the mission. That's a good word. And I, and I think um, what I really hear in that is that long-term vision is kind of the anchor that you're putting everything down with. And, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate your vulnerability and honesty there. W- what are some of the conversations that you're having with your kids? Um, you know, how, how are they, how are they doing with it? How do you parent through so much uncertainty in a lot of ways, this is feels like feels like you're starting COVID over again. Mm-hmm. Well, COVID actually for us was kind of nice in the sense of, you know, I was very pregnant at the first part of it. And then I had very little babies for the rest of it. But it was time where we could all be together without distractions. Right. And now we're, we're going to be separated and the kids, they get it to an extent, you know, we'll be like, hey, you know how sometimes daddy has to go for a couple of weeks and they're like, yeah. Like, well, he's going to be going for a lot longer than that. We sat them down together and they're like, what, like a year? A little bit more. <laughs> and their little minds exploded. <laughs> like, what? And, but you know, at the time, they were six and five when we first broached the news. And it's like, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that daddy won't be here for Christmas. Well, what about my birthday? No, he's still going to be gone at your birthday. What about my birthday? Yep, that one too. That's what a year means, like a whole full year. And uh, they know he's leaving for a long time. I think it's going to be when we're in it that they start to really um, feel his absence. And as far as how to parent through that, well, we'll see. Because we've never done this before. <laughs> this is, but I'm feeling a great the time to just mention Go, go over and subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. Seriously, how do I do this? <laughs> I would imagine one or two episodes will be coming about this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, all we know to do now is just try to keep busy. So every month I have something planned, you know, a camping trip or, or something where we can be like, hey, only three more weeks until we get to do this instead of having to say, hey, 13 more months until daddy's home. So little bite-sized yeah. mile markers, things to look forward to. And just uh, honesty. And just, you know, we actually have our daughter. She's been struggling with some non-related things that I only can anticipate are going to get worse when it comes to her mental health and self-view and stuff. So I have someone lined up that she's going to start talking to on a regular basis so that she can process through it. So trying to be proactive where we can. And lots of FaceTime, lots of Marco Polo, lots of videos. (laughs) So that the kids don't forget him. That's his biggest fear is that the babies will forget him. Sure. Yeah, I get that. And uh, we hear that a lot in deployment. And, um, uh, you know, I think the intentionality that you mentioned there will be huge 
and it, it'll make a big difference. How how old is your daughter who you're lining up? Because I I love that. I love um, I love faith and mental health put together. That's always a winning combination for me personally. But I'm curious at, at what age did you feel like that was an okay thing to start? Um, well, I think it'll be child to child. We never discuss like okay at this age that you know we'll start introducing mental health professionals into the mix. But she is seven. And where we're struggling in that is um, a lot of really negative self-talk when she's mm. upset about things. It's it's rarely that she would lash out at us. She goes inward. And some of the things that she, you know, says even at that age are, are kind of scary for a mom to hear. Um, and so helping her find coping mechanisms and, you know, and just trying to get on top of any anxiety or depression that comes out with daddy gone. And just having someone else on my team to help deal with that. Her little sister struggles with pretty heavy anxiety and worry. And so, you know, it may be a different situation that we get her, you okay. know, working with someone a little bit younger even, you know. So I'm just trying to um, keep that door open. And like you said, faith and mental health hand in hand. My husband did not grow up in a family where that was perceived as an acceptable thing. And so it's sure. been kind of a journey for for him to see the need. And one of the things that I've heard you say a couple times now is this idea about the community that you have and having people on your team. And that language feels super intentional to me. And I love that. Uh, I think that there are probably a lot of people listening, um, men and women who really struggle with building community um, in your experience, what are some of the things that they can do to kind of get that ball rolling? How do we get past the awkward, uh, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee? You know, like, or like, you know, how do we, how do we take that dive into, uh, to real friendship and, and team? It's hard, man. Like when we're not in elementary school anymore, having kids that sit next to us in class or have homeroom with us, like we, mm. it's hard to make friends as an adult. And I, I hear that. Um, I would say to look around you and see where your circles are. And I know during, you know, in a post-pandemic, current pandemic, I suppose, world, that's hard. You know, a lot of those natural places, they may have been taken away from you. You might be working from home now. And so finding a friend in the office might be more difficult. But consider your church or if you go to the gym, consider your gym, consider your local coffee shop. You see someone there more than once, be like, hey, don't mean to be weird, but I'm going to be weird and tell you my name and ask who you are. It takes a little bit of boldness um, to be willing to put ourselves in those awkward situations. But when it comes to establishing a tribe, when you are struggling, when you're going through something, I think there's a lot of people who want to help. And I think for me, the greater struggle has been being willing to accept that help. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I look at sure. single moms who have to do this all the time, you know, and, and they're able to do it. And here I'm whining because my husband's going to be gone for a year. Well, who am I to complain? And those kind of lies, they they buzz around in the uh, in the back of my mind and really keep me from accepting help that's offered. And so that's been a journey that I've been on is just being willing to say, Hey, here's the need. And yes, I accept your willingness to meet it. Yeah. I think receiving help is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so hard, but it's also such an important part of 
building that community and um yeah that's 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 a really good word i think um now i know that my listeners they're prayer warriors and uh you've got quite a season ahead of you um what are some of the things that we can specifically pray for as it relates to you and your mission and you know whatever else what can we how how can we pray for you in this season mm, thank you for asking i think in this season there's just going to be a lot of adjustment for all of us uh, for me when it comes to working my schedule around parenting four kids you know by myself for much of the day and for the kids in not having their daddy on hand and for Adrian and being isolated from his kids and in a difficult environment. Um, so just helping us all adjust and managing time and, and all of that and being willing to ask for help. Cause I know, I know that even though I know it's okay and it's good, it's still something I struggle with. And, um, and the thing is, is if people could just be praying in general, because I don't even know what the needs are going to be yet, because we're not there. <laughs> and as much preparation as goes into it, I know that I don't know what I don't know, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's real good. Um, okay. I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know my listeners are going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all about you and the podcast and to stay in tune with what God is doing in you and through you. Mm, well, they are welcome to you know, add me on Facebook. You know, I'm a pretty easy to find and I post probably more than I should. And on Facebook, it's Summer Shepherd, uh, Shepherd like the profession. So S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. I always thought that was going to be an easy thing for people and it's shockingly difficult. But summershepherd.com, it, it's also a way that in one stop. You can reach out. You can connect to the podcast. You can connect to Facebook and other social platforms as well. But I would love to get to know your listeners. They're the best. Uh, okay. Last question. I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, um, except I get to take you back to a very specific moment in your life. And um, I'd like to take you back to the day after your wedding day. And um, you're newly married, uh, this handsome young man, uh, bright-eyed and excited about what the future holds. If you could pull up in front of that younger version of Summer and sit knee to knee with her and look her in the eyes, what's the one piece of advice you're going to give her? Oh, my goodness. She was so scared. <laughs> and she had so many questions. Um, I would, I would tell her that it's not going to be what you expect. It's going to be so much better and let go of the expectations that you have and just be open to an adventure because you're going to go places that you couldn't imagine and to be open to what God is doing and where he is leading because all the goals and ambitions that you have right now, he's going to blow them up. He loves to do that. He loves us to present to him the picture for our lives that we'd like to see happen and just take it, rip it up and give us something better. Yeah, she she was pretty scared, Tony. She had come from a place where 
I had quite a background and my husband didn't. He was this vanilla pastor's kid. And I just, it took me a long time to feel good enough for him. And I would tell her like, you don't have to be good enough for him. That's not what you're called to. And, uh, and to let that go. Yeah. Of all expectations. That's a good word. That's a good word, Pastor Summer. That's a good word. That'll preach any day of the week. Uh, thank you so much for being generous and vulnerable and um, and authentic. And I just really value that. And I appreciate the time today. And we will be praying for you and uh, and following your po- along with your podcast and all that God's going to do in that and through that. And I just can't wait. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate so much. You've given me the opportunity to just chat and, and speak to your listeners and to be encouraged by you. And yeah, thank you. Hey guys, so thankful for Summer and her voice and for all of you for being here. I love the way that she holds such a humble posture when it comes to figuring out what's next. Her life is messy and she celebrates that and I just appreciate it. Uh, Do me a favor, let her know that you heard her here on the podcast. Thank her for being on. And if you really like her voice, go follow her podcast. No, seriously, how do I do this? And uh, I think you'll find it very life-giving. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. Don't forget, share this episode with a friend. And remember, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.